When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And unfortunately, Browns fans, it's I guess a eulogy for the 2021 Browns season as they were eliminated from the playoffs officially on Sunday. So Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock and I got together and we talked through a whole bunch of issues. Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, uh, which was more disappointing, 2019 or 2021? And should the Browns win these last two games? How should they approach it? So we get into all of that here on a Monday pod for you. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because we will still have our post-game pod coming your way after the Browns-Steelers game on Monday night. That'll post early on Tuesday morning. And then, of course, uh, we'll have pods throughout the week. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber to cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all your info. All right, here we go. Our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which looks very different uh, than I thought it would. I said we would record a podcast uh, after the Sunday events. The Browns are officially eliminated. It started early in the day when the Cincinnati Bengals clinched the AFC North in dramatic fashion. And then it continued when the Chargers beat the Broncos uh, to take away any wild card possibilities for the Browns. So, like, this is, I guess, just a broad question here. For, for this team, we were discussing, like, how, how should we start this? And I think we kind of landed on this. Mary Kay, what happened this season? Well, you know what? I mean, in its, in its simplest terms, I think, uh, you know, the passing game fell apart. The passing game completely fell apart this season for a number of different reasons. First of all, Baker getting hurt. Uh, then you had Jarvis getting hurt. You had Odell bolting. You had Richard disappearing. You had Donovan Peoples-Jones being thrust into the role of the X receiver. You had Anthony Schwartz being um, injured much, much of the season. So um, that's what they have to figure out. The passing game went into the tank. They still had, uh, you know, the defense got better and better as the season went along. And I wrote this the other day. I think it is actually a championship caliber defense right now. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, I, I think it was a good enough defense to take a team to the Super Bowl, win it, maybe not, but, you know, to get a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, but the passing game failed miserably. And now they have to figure out 100% what to do about it. Doug, what do you think? This team did not make a ton of winning plays this year. And I was trying to go through, I'm sure what the end of the year we'll do, you know, an official look back and plays of the year and that kind of thing. I was trying to think like what the best offensive play of this season was. And I don't know what it is because it's got to be in a win. Right. So, you know, you have the Denzel Ward 99 yard pick six for defense. You have the miles strip sack and fumble recovery, but like they didn't do that a ton. And 
Mary Kay is obviously right with the passing game, but I think uh, I've been trying to figure out a lot of analogies for this. And I think Kevin Stefanski bears a large chunk of the responsibility here because I felt like most of the year he did not do much to make them better, to find a way. And I feel like Kevin Stefanski last year, he's like a guy driving like 63 on the highway in the right lane. And last year in the COVID storm, when people were driving off the road and it's like, hey, set it on cruise control at 63 in the right lane. And that's great. And now, like it's the second year and he's still going 63 in the right lane on cruise control and people are zooming by the Browns. And there's a there's a stasis, I think, there's to this team. There's a, you know, like the best, I don't like that right now, their quarterback is tough and their head coach is calm. And it feels like if those are the two things that you're saying about the most important people in the franchise, maybe it's because you can't think anything else good to say about them. So I, I think they need to, they don't need to clean house by any stretch of the imagination, but they need to clean up the house and they need to clean up every room. People are coming over. And I think they've let it like this, this functional, competent kind of thing that they think they have. I, I think it's gotten stale in a year and a lot of stuff went wrong, but like they need to, they need to, someone needs to slap, you know, throw cold water in the faces of this entire franchise, because I think the worst thing that could happen to this franchise is think that they were close this year because they were fooling themselves and a lot of people, including me and us during most of this year that we didn't want to give up. Well, they're still in it. Well, if you do this and do this and do that, well, it's still in it. They're not close. This wasn't close. And a lot went wrong. This wasn't close. They, they beat the Texans and the Lions and the Bears. They beat the, the, the Bengals because they turned it over. They forced a million turnovers. They beat the Ravens with the backup quarterback. They beat Justin Fields with no offensive line. Like, what did they do this year? What did they do? What's the best thing they did? They didn't do anything. They've done nothing. And maybe they thought going 63 in the right lane on cruise control might get them to the end of the year. They didn't actually do anything. You watch what the Bengals did to the Chiefs with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. That looked like a different life form. It's like, well, the Browns must not be allowed to play that way. It must be against the rules to play that way in Cleveland. It's like, no, you're allowed to play like that. What? You're allowed to play football like that? I didn't know that. Then why are they doing this? They didn't do anything this year. It was all cruise control, baby. So, so Doug, I think you hit it there. Like, because because I'm you know obviously following along on Twitter throughout the day while we're watching these games, and th- there's a lot go- there, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, they weren't even close, like you were saying, and then there were people who wanted to say, well, you know, they lost half their team to COVID in December and injuries and Baker was and all. So, I mean, maybe that's where we need to go, Doug. I mean, you said they weren't even close um, on our preview pod. I, I made the comparison to you know everybody saying, well, if the Browns do this akin to the movie don't look up that's basically the group of people saying like just don't look up don't look at the evidence that's there that's clear that this team can't do what you want them to do uh, but but other people disagree with that so i mean i mean let's go down that road scott i mean how close were the browns they're very close they, they played in 10 games decided by a touchdown or less they lost six of them so i would say they were close uh i mean i think the last two games they played kind of epitomized their whole situation this year and against the Raiders, you had them unable to overcome not having key people on the field. 
And then against the Packers, they weren't able to do it with key people on the field. They just found different ways not to win those games that they won last year. That's a big reason why they went uh, 11 and five. They, they won those close games and they just didn't do it this year. And I mean, I, I don't believe, I don't agree with Doug that they were on cruise control. I think they were more like driving a car with an alternator that's like going out and like everything just starts working at different times. Like your windshield wipers stop working for a while and then your radio doesn't work and then it doesn't want to even turn on. And it was just one thing after another. And I don't think you can discount the injuries and COVID and, uh, and when those things happened and who those things happened to. Everybody's going to Everybody's gone through those things in an NFL season, but it impacts teams different ways. And the Browns just were not able to deal with those the way some other teams have been. And, you know, despite all that, despite all that, they still had this path to the division title until today. Despite all that, they almost beat the Packers despite, you know, all those interceptions. They almost beat the Raiders despite Nick Mullins at quarterback. They, they were in position to do a lot of good things this season, but they just found a way to, you know, not make it happen. So, so Ashley, I think this is the key question of the off season. The Browns have to answer is how much of what happened this season was, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it real, like this team is who they were. They were whatever their record's going to end up being. They weren't, but they weren't good enough to be in the playoffs or, how much of it was your quarterback was in a harness and COVID and, and I like kind of weighing all of those things. Yeah. That's why Andrew Barry in the front office makes so much more money than I do in having to answer those questions. I'm not envious of it because those are very difficult questions. And there are a lot of things that happened this season, right? Like I'm sick of making excuses with, with Baker's injury, for example, I know we've, we've feels like that's beating a dead horse at this point. Obviously the harness did come up this week. We got some more clarity on that from him, from Alex Van Pelt, from Kevin Stefanski. Um, The COVID thing happens obviously. Right. But where I do think there is some truth to what Doug was talking about with some of these things that have happened, like, yes, in some instances, they were a victim of circumstance, but the problem still was they couldn't figure out how to win most of these close games. Six of their eight losses were by six points or fewer. And Again, I wrote that story last week, kind of outlining what happened in each of those. Like, yeah, each of those games, things didn't go their way. Like, you know, obviously that the Daniel Carlson field goal, for example, right? Like using the Raiders game as an example. But in each of those games, there were also plenty of opportunities they had to win. And for whatever reason, they couldn't grab onto that. I think what Mary Kay was talking about with really the passing game just falling apart this year bears a lot of that blame. And, you know, I am curious how... Uh, if Baker Mayfield, you know, goes off and in this offseason gets healthy, what things look like next year. But it's kind of like an unanswerable question, I think. And, and it's a question, Mary Kay, that if you read it wrong, we could be right back here a year from now having the same discussion. Like if, if they take a look at it and they decide that it was the harness, it was COVID, it was injuries, there's a chance we're right back here next year talking about the same things, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's why, uh, you know, just, you know, post 
elimination today. That's why I wrote that they do have to take an unflinching look uh, at Baker Mayfield and their broken passing game. And, and they need to fix that because if they fix that, then I think that also dictates the play calling. I think it changes how Kevin Stefanski can call plays. I mean, when he did try to open things up a little bit in Green Bay and go to 11, more 11 personnel, Baker Mayfield was picked off four times and could have been picked off at least six times in that game. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, I don't know, in some ways, I think we're dancing around uh, the real issue here, and that is what to do about the quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's the crux of the whole thing. Do they run it back and try to win football games with Baker, Baker Mayfield next year, hoping that all these other things go right? Or do they look around and say, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe we want somebody more like a, a Joe Burrow or a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes or some of these other quarterbacks that can overcome. Yeah, let's just go out and get one of those guys. Where do you get those guys? Well, you know what? I know I mean, it's not easy, but I mean, people have found those guys. I mean, you could try to acquire a veteran quarterback that might be coming available. I mean, I think. Um, that there will be some that you could try to lure here. Uh, there are some that you could try to possibly trade for that you could look, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not impossible. And this might not be the year where you find that guy. But the point is, and I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm, I, I've watched them pass on one after another, after another, after another, after another over the last five, six, seven, 30 years, whatever. Um, but, you know, that that's the issue. They have got to come up with uh, a quarterback that can hang with these other quarterbacks that we're talking about. You, you've got to be, I mean, just in your division alone, I mean, rest assured, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to try to come up with somebody. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Uh, but they're going to try to come up with their next amazing quarterback. Uh, Joe Burrow, you've got to be able to beat him in your own division twice a year. Um, and, you know, and you've got to overhaul your receiving core. That's the thing. It's not, of course, it's quarterback, but it's not only quarterback. They have no playmakers on the outside, and I right. don't like Kevin Stefanski's offense anymore. So, right, you're right. Make plays. Need, make plays in the passing they, game. Make plays. They need to overhaul. It's, it's everything. Right. You cannot. If you're Baker Mayfield, it's it's going to be really difficult to try to make uh, big plays to to the receiving core that he has right now. Now, the question is, do you guys think, let's just say, okay, Baker comes back, has surgery on his shoulder, doesn't have to wear the harness anymore, feels good, and you go out and you get yourself Garrett Wilson and two other really good, amazing receivers. Is that enough? Is that going to do the job? If Kevin Stefanski uses them, maybe. Not if he plays 13 personnel the whole time and throws six-yard passes. Here's and, and here's the problem with Baker because, you know, again, if, if your bar is Patrick Mahomes, there's one Patrick Mahomes in like the whole world. Um, but when we're talking about Baker Mayfield, we're talking about a guy who, I, I mean, these are the numbers over the last five games, 56% completion percentage, 181.6 yards a game, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions, 66.8 rating. Those are, and this is not an exaggeration. Those are Deshaun Kaiser-esque. Baker has been just bad enough this year 
that you can't guarantee yourself you're going to get top half of the league play from him next year. So that's why you start talking about, even if you're not talking about Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you got to talk about Derek Carr. You got to talk about guys in that, at that level who can probably come in here and you can pretty much write in pen that they're going to give you at worst top half of the league play. And, and that's, that's what the Browns have to figure out because they just, Baker was bad enough this year that you can't guarantee, even if everything's perfect around him, he's going to give you the type of play you need. Which I, I don't, like, you can win the Super Bowl with a top 10, 12 quarterback. Maybe not every year, but you can win a Super Bowl with that type of quarterback. And I don't know if Baker is going to be that type of quarterback. Scott, what do you think? Do you think uh, you keep Baker, he goes out and he has a surgery, comes back, feels great, and you get Garrett Wilson and two other really good receivers. What's happening with the passing game next year? Uh, hold on. My crystal ball is on the fritz. Uh, I mean, he 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 actually averaged more air yards per pass attempt this year than he did the last couple of years. The problem was he wasn't good at completing deep pass. He also probably going to end up with about it the longer. Same. He just didn't complete any of them. Right. And he threw it deep about as much as he did last season. So, the, I mean, the offense didn't change much as far as how far they throw down the field. So that would lead me to believe maybe you should have somebody different throwing the ball. How about you, Ashley? So I keep going back to kind of like what you always talk about, Mary Kay, how he's so good. Baker is so good. He's at his best maybe on some of those rollouts and those boots and things like that. And teams, it seems like, have kind of figured out how to take that away. So these guys can talk about the harness and all that, all they want. And I, I get it. Like the way his throwing motion is um, it, it maybe impacts him still having to wear that on his non-throwing shoulder more than it would a lot of other guys who have more size or whatever. But I just wonder if the league has just figured him out right now and this is his ceiling and, and this is what it, it we're getting. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just goes back to how much does the, do the injuries really play a factor in all of this? And is it really just more of a matter that they don't have a counter adjustment right now and haven't figured that out? And until they figure it out, this is the result. It just has to be a, a yes and conversation. I mean, this is the same Baker Mayfield conversation that all of Cleveland has had for three months. We're not saying anything new. They've got to figure it out. But it's not just that. It's what Mary Kay said. You got to draft a receiver in the first round. You've got to sign some kind of veteran receiver who has a little more juice. And then I mean, then if people's Jones and Schwartz, you're three and four, maybe that's enough, but you need Jamar chase. You need somebody, you need Mike Williams. When you talk about these great quarterbacks, they all have a dude. They don't have any dudes here. Mm -hmm. It's the last position. It's the last position they've addressed because the way they tried to address it didn't work. So My question is though, after the Odell Beckham Jr. saga. What top receiver is like a free agent or something? Like, is somebody even going to want to come here? No, you have to draft him. Problem. You have to draft him and yeah. train him as a Brown. They have to take a receiver in the first round. And then I'm talking like an AJ Green or like a, like a Julio Joe, like a, an older guy who would come in and be like a number two. You cannot go down the Odell route again because all a good receiver somewhere else is going to want to do is going to want to strangle Kevin Stefanski. So you have to bring in a guy who learns the Browns way. 
You have to draft him. And Kevin Stefanski also has to stop playing 1950s football, stop being smarter than everybody else and doing everything different and try to throw the ball to receivers like the rest of the freaking league does. You see how everybody else does that? Do the thing that everybody else does. You're not smarter than everybody. You know what, Doug? I, I think there is, at least this year, I think he doesn't trust his quarterback to get that job done. And I think that, I mean, he didn't all of a sudden turn into that guy you're talking about. I mean, he was creative and he was aggressive and they took, you know, they took shots downfield. They're still taking shots downfield, but um, you know, I, I don't think he all of a sudden, you know, just became a bad play caller. I think he understood that he, his quarterback had limitations this season for whatever reason, and that his receiving core uh, just wasn't at all what they expected it to be. And that he had to call the game a certain way. Also their tackles weren't what they expected they were going to be. And and that dictates uh, some of the way that you can play the game. Jed Wills. uh, I looked this up for my, uh, for my column. Jed Wills is 137th. 137th. How can that even be? In what? One hundred thirty seventh in what? We're gonna we're gonna go around the horn here, and we're gonna name tackles till we get to one hundred thirty seven. I don't even. I mean, maybe I was looking at the wrong thing. I don't even understand how that's possible. They must have included like the you know the Canadian Football League, <laughs> right? I'm and assuming this is this is PFF. Well, if it's not, if there wasn't, yeah, if there wasn't like a minimum snap count or or something set. No, I. I put the minimum snap count in. Oh, okay. But anyways, maybe I was looking at, maybe, maybe I looked at it wrong. Scott, tell me if I looked at it wrong, but if that's you true, probably looked at it wrong, but you're right that <laughs> it was a lost season for Jedrick Wills for sure. And one thing I was yeah, going to mention is that this, this off season was always going to be fixed a wide receiver off season because Odell and Jarvis, their contracts were set up for the Browns to get out from underneath those for this off season. So I think this off season was, I don't know if they had it written down on the wall or not, but it, like this was the one where you should have been looking forward to, all right, they're going to do some with the, with the wide receivers, because clearly after those top two guys, they didn't really have a lot that could fall back on. You're hoping DPJ becomes something, you know, we said over and over Schwartz just wasn't ready as a rookie. And then beyond that, I mean, you, you really don't have much of anything. So this was always going to be that year. And now you're doing it while also the hope, I guess, would have been that you had your quarterback figured out at that point then they clearly don't. And, and I think there's an element to this in the play calling too, that like if guys are open and the quarterback just isn't throwing to them or seeing them, then the play caller's doing his job. And I think we've seen examples where guys are open. Now, listen, I don't love all the 13 personnel either, Doug. I, I'm with you. I'm like, you know, especially with the tight end group you have, you don't have an elite tight end in this group. So you know, get some receivers out there, do something interesting or, or go get some elite tight ends, whatever you're going to do here. But I, I do think like there, I mean, your star wide receiver forced his way out when his dad posted a video of him running wide open for 11 and a half minutes. Now, some of that was a little, you know, okay, whatever. But there, there were some legit complaints, I think, in that video where Odell was getting open and the ball either wasn't coming to him or it wasn't getting delivered to him in a place where he could catch it. So again, that's the complicated nature of this. How much of it is the play caller and how much of it is, how much of it is your quarterback is not executing. 
I will tell you on the list of analogies I've been working up, <laughs> I feel like the Stefanski Baker thing is a elementary school version of Sashi and Hugh at this point. Because it feels like two things that are grinding against each other in opposite directions. It certainly is not public like that. But here we are with this franchise that had a GM and a head coach that couldn't get along. And now we're at a point, it's not that they don't get along, but Mary Kay, you've been talking about this all year. Like, how can they be this disconnected? How can the, how can the two most important people in the franchise seemingly not be on the same page? It's awful. And how sick are we of talking about it? Is it the quarterback or is it the play caller? The play caller sets the quarterback up. It's both of them. It's all of them. It's none of them. Yeah. It's awful. It's and, awful. And, and if that alone, that might be enough reason for Baker to be done here. Right. And you know what? And then that's, you know, when I was trying to offer solutions, it, it was a little bit of, of everything. And by the way, I looked up Jed, I had looked up all offensive linemen, not just the tackles. He's 63rd amongst uh, tackles, according to PFF include overall and 76th in run blocking, which those two numbers are still horrible. Uh, so he better get better next year when the ankle is better or there's a problem at left tackle. And that's an issue. Um, but um, Kevin Stefanski does need to go back and break down every single one of these games and, and dig into his play calling and find out if it was something that he did or could have done better. And if he needs to do it better, then he has to figure out how to fix that. He's got to look in the mirror and, and really find out, uh, you know, did he do right by, by this offense? Because I still think there was enough talent on this offense to score more than 17 or fewer points in nine of their last 12 games. There's, an, there's enough talent. Something's wrong if you can't score more than, than 17 points. And some of these defenses were not that great, okay? Some of these defenses were you know, maybe above average. So something's wrong. Um, and I think it is going to be hard to figure it out, but here, here's what I would do. I would go get another veteran quarterback. I would, I would somehow try to end up with a Derek Carr. I mean, let's just say Derek Carr, cause he sort of is someone that you might actually be able to get. So let's just say you go get a Derek Carr. And if, Baker wants to stick around under those conditions that you bring in Derek Carr, then you keep him around at $18.858 million for his option year next year. Chances are, if that happens and you go out and you get yourself a Derek Carr, because you can't take the chance. What if it is, you know, Baker just isn't what they hoped he would be. What if it is that you can't just go through another year like this. Mm -mm, you can't do it. I mean, maybe that's not the case, but if it is, you're screwed. So You've got to find an upgrade. And um, if Baker sticks around in that scenario, then they, you know, they duke it out and have a little bit of a, a quarterback competition. Stranger things have happened. Let them, let them work through that. Uh, if Baker and his camp decides, no, that's not, we don't want to do this. Let us go seek a trade. Then let them go seek a trade. But you can't go into next season hoping that all these things that we keep talking about uh, are, are going to get better and that, that the defense, which is ready to roll, is going to have an offense that can hang with it because you're going to start to lose the Denzels. You're going to lose the Miles Garrett. You're going to lose the JOKs. You're going to lose the locker room if you try to run it back with, with this offense. So I think, they, I think they have to seriously, seriously consider an upgrade at quarterback 
and you know just bring somebody else in to compete with Baker. I mean, the right the comparison, Doug, that you're looking for is Golf McVeigh. Oh, I, I got mean, a that, list of well, well you, in and, terms and Matthew, of and, and yeah. the thing is, Matthew Stafford is not like Matthew Stafford is not a top five quarterback. I don't know if he's a top ten quarterback, but he's a top half of the league guy who has the potential on a given game to be a top 10 quarterback, you know, and then I'll have a day like today where he throws a pick six and throws another interception and then leads you on a game winning drive. But that, that's just what you haven't been getting from Baker with any sort of consistency. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with the idea that you can't bring only Baker back next year. Here's the reality in looking at the history of this stuff. Most of the time, and, and I don't know that there's, I found one that actually happened in recent years. If you get to your fourth year as a highly drafted quarterback and you're a maybe, you're a no. Mm-hmm. You don't turn into a yes in year five. And he's certainly not a yes right now. He's a maybe. He might be the maybeest maybe in modern, like in the last eight to 10 years of high first round quarterbacks because of how weird his career has been mm-hmm. and the pandemic and the injury and all the coaching changes, there have been some yeses that turns into no's like the dolphins, like signed Ryan Tannehill to an extension. And then like a couple years later, we're like, Nope, not that like their yes turned into a no, but like the, like the magical maybe transformation in year five, it's one of these things. I, I agree with the idea of like bringing in a veteran whenever, if you bring in a real veteran to compete with Baker, it's over. Like the idea yeah, that the Baker's going to win that competition and then become your quarterback for the next 10 years. Like it's not going to happen. Like it's never happened. So I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but it like has almost like legitimately never happened. It's much more likely that you bring in Ryan Tannehill on top of, Smar- of Marcus Mariota. And it's like, well, you, you let the old guy keep his job for a month. And it's like, okay, well now we're going the other guy and he's gone. So, or you do it, you know, Nick Foles to Mitch Trubisky. Like it just, it's, that's how, that's how it goes. Once you bring in the veteran competition, it's the death sentence for the current guy. So, but they have to do it or they have to do some version of it. Or you would do it, right? I mean, so, I mean. Oh, I definitely would do it. So you would do I, I it. would not, Scott, Scott was, Scott was going to say something. I would not, if I was brought in a veteran, if I brought in a veteran, I would not bring Baker back, but we can, we can discuss that later. Yeah. Scott, I know, I know you were going to say something there. Yeah, I was just going to, before Doug got to it. I was going to say he's turning into Marcus Mariota. And I think the only way to bring in the veteran works is if you get somebody like Tannehill who didn't really have a ton of success where he was before, where who leaves there kind of looking for a second chance. You can't bring in someone like Derek Carr and have that kind of competition, even though the Raiders haven't had a ton of success. He's clearly been a better quarterback there than Tannehill was in Miami. Um, I think Baker would be gone unless you're going to bring in somebody who's really like like Tannehill at dance kind of guy um I don't even know if Trubisky even rises to that level but then yeah you're definitely I I there's no scenario where I can see Kevin Stefanski wanting to have a quarterback competition anyway and wasting all those snaps and going through that circus I think they just want to make a clean break and start with somebody new if they did that go ahead Mary Kay I, and I think I think Baker's camp would want that too and I and I um, I've been writing consistently that, um, you know, that it's going to be, that it will be a two-way street, that they want to feel that he is in the right situation, that he is in the right offense, that he's in the right scheme, that the right play plays are getting called for him. Uh, you know, so there, it's going to be, a, a, some heart to heart talks 
I'm sure in the off season, but who on this panel, I'm curious to know, um, you know, would think that running it back with Baker Mayfield, no harness, two excellent receivers, one, the caliber of Doug's Garrett Wilson or somebody like that. And another really good number two and Kevin Stefanski kind of getting his act together a little bit more in the play calling realm, whether it be collabing with somebody on it or turning it over to somebody or whatever the case may be. Does anybody here think that that would work? Is it wrong? Is there, is it bad if I say I'm curious to see what that would look like? Not so much the play calling, but just Baker with all new receivers. No, it's not bad. Healthy. I, I, I mean, like, I'm generally curious at this point to see what that would look like. I, know, I don't know if it's worth that, waiting for it, though. I know. I mean, I mean that, you, that's the big question. You have to at least upgrade the backup. You have to have somebody else who could start. So, like, Teddy Bridgewater, right, if Denver, like, drafts a quarterback finally in the front. Like, I'm trying to think of a guy, like, he can't be too good. Like, Derek Carr actually is probably too good. Derek Carr is more like Stafford, that he's the replacement. He's not a competition. So, it's like, who's... Who would come to like look over Baker's shoulder, but not really be ahead of Baker at the start of camp, right? That that, but you, I mean, you cannot come back with Baker and a guy like Case Keenum. I mean, that that's that's it. That is, there's no way they're doing. There's no way they're doing that. That is a risk that you can't take. Or you've got to draft somebody. You've got to draft your Jalen Hurts. Like you've got to have somebody real. As, as your backup plan, better than they did this year. You know, I, I don't know what Tyler Huntley's situation is, man. I mean, not even joking. I think he's like an that. exclusive. I think he's an exclusive rights free agent. Your backup which, needs more juice than Case Keenum. You need which, a backup. Which means like, the Ravens, I think the Ravens can control whether they keep him. And if they don't want to keep him, they can control where he goes. Mm-hmm. Ashley, what do you think? It's tough. I mean, I think probably given some of these questions, like with the receivers, with everything else, with the injury. Um, I think I'm leaning more towards bringing in somebody to compete with him and see what happens and give yourself a cushion. I don't know, unless like Derek Carr, they, they could make something happen and get him here. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of like, okay, but who is that person and how does it look and, and things like that. But I mean, I agree with Doug. It can't be Case Keenum because for, for whatever reason, you know, that, you look at that Packers game and again, three interceptions in the first half that Baker threw two of them were just bad throws. You can make an argument for the first one that Donovan had some Donovan people Jones had some tugging and pulling going on. Um, And they still didn't make that change. And that was the time to make the change because now it's too late. (laughs) Uh, And we saw it, you know, the season is essentially over before they even played again. So um, it's tough. I, I think you go out and get the, the veteran guy though, and kind of see what happens and give yourself that leeway. I mean, this is all anybody listening to this podcast is going to be doing for the next month is like, it's all we're gonna be doing. <laughs> but like, again, like off the top of my head, if you're looking for a guy who maybe still has a little bit of upside, but certainly does not like deserve a starting job right now. And maybe you could get him to come in and throw him in the camp. Anybody? In the mood for Sam Darnold? Oh my God. The guy they could have taken instead of Baker. But I mean, like, so he's been, he was awful with the Jets. So then he went to Carolina. He was bad there. They also fired the offensive coordinator that everybody thought was a genius there. So that was also a problem. 
I don't know. He's a better athlete than, than Baker. I mean, like, but again, because if you're thinking too good, if you're like, no, 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 I want Russell Wilson. It's like, okay, well then it's over. Derek Carr, it's over. So if you want it to be over, then it can be over. But if you want to keep him here, the other guy can't be too good because somebody who's actually that good is not going to come here to stand in line second behind Baker Mayfield and his eight interceptions in the last four games to start camp. Okay, but hey, here, here's I, I'm of the camp. Like, if you can get, don't get Derek Carr. Like, I don't know if he's going to be available. Uh, like, at some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing here? Okay, but so are then we, you're giving up on spend, Baker. Well, why Derek Carr whole, come here? I, I, if, again, I don't know. And I think you'd have to trade for him. But again, I, I mean, what I'm, are we going to be spending the whole offseason saying, well, you know, Baker in year three of the same system and having some weapons around him and having an offense? I mean, we're going to be saying the same stuff we said no, last offseason. Right. And so are you bailing? Point, you or look you... in the mirror and say, what are we doing here? And if you can upgrade the position, you upgrade the position. Now, now look, if you can't get that guy, fine. Maybe you got to run it back with Baker. Maybe you don't have a choice. But I, I know the New England Patriots drafted a guy 15th overall who they believed could come in and run their system and do what they needed him to do and not be spectacular. And they're division champs and going back to the playoffs. Actually, are they division champs? I think they are. Listen, um, if you want them to draft a quarterback, there will be quarterbacks there they can draft because they're going to Buffalo, like, Buffalo, I think, might win that division. But anyway, you know what I mean? They're going back to the playoffs, and, and they have a chance to win a Super Bowl in the next two, two to three years. And you know what else? Here's another thing to consider, and I think this is vitally important. I've written about it. I've tried to touch upon it. And, uh, and I think it's, it's, it looms large in, in this decision. There is a disconnect between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. And if they can't get together and get on the same page and feel like they are excited to work together and they feel good about each other, if it does start to turn into a Sean McVay, Jared Goff situation where it's kind of over-ish, then it's time to move on. And, you know, we don't know that yet, but there are signs that the you know there's trouble in paradise okay and if there's paradise are we in paradise <laughs> this paradise my <laughs> god trouble in mediocrity <laughs> but you know there there are issues between the two okay and um and i think that if we if we weren't sure about that then baker coming out after um after the ravens game and saying we got conservative was confirmation of that because you generally do not hear unless you're Aaron Rodgers. I do hear Aaron Rodgers talk like that. And I do hear Tom Brady talk like that, but you generally don't hear younger quarterbacks say, yeah, we got conservative, you know? I mean, like that's just, that was a, that was a gutsy, that was a gutsy quote from Baker Mayfield. And I think it was a sign that, you know, of how he has felt at times this season. So there's something wrong between those two guys and they've got to get to, they got to get together on the same page. I mean, if they, if this team determines that Baker Mayfield is their quarterback of the future, then they might have to talk about a different play caller because there is just something wrong between those two. No way. There's zero chance they're picking Baker over Stefanski. No, none. Yeah. That's, that's not even a conversation. Right. So let's, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And then I have three questions I want to ask you guys before we go. Um, and one of them has to do with Kevin Stefanski. I'm back here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are, uh, the Browns are out of the playoffs and well, we're talking like they're out of the playoffs. So Mary Kay brought it up. 
Um, and, and this isn't even like a choosing Baker over Stefanski situation, but I do want to ask this question. And, and I feel like Doug, you, you kind of keep bringing this up and we kind of keep steering it away from it, but I think it's a, a question that is worth, worth asking. Should Kevin Stefanski be the play caller next year? I didn't like how Alex Van Pelt called it when Kevin Stefanski was out. He called that horrible <laughs> run on third down that killed their season at the end of the game. So that wasn't good. I think Kevin Stefanski can be the play caller just as long as he calls different stuff. I think it's not the play caller. It's the play sheet. So, like, I, 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 I don't like the offense. And, and you can't be so tied. It's like, well, if I can't have two tight ends on the field every snap, then I don't even want to call plays. Like, that's not the world we're living in. So get some better receivers and open up the offense. And then he can call it. That's fine. But I also do think at some point, there's a lot going on. You've got to coach the whole team. You're not just one side of the balls coach. You've got to lead. You know, again, I think he did not do a great job with the OBJ stuff. I mean, whatever. Like, they had issues. There's been, as Mary Kay brought up with Baker saying about getting conservative, there's been their best players multiple times have said stuff after the games that was like, well, the coaching wasn't very good. Okay, like, what's up? I'm not saying the team's falling apart, but I'm saying maybe Kevin needs to be a little more focused on the head coaching stuff. So I'm more concerned with the playbook. But the offense has to open up. It has to open up. And I understand you have to get the players to do it. But so I don't know what my answer is to that, Dan. I don't want Kevin Stefanski calling these types of plays. So if that means he has to not be the play caller, then okay. But I didn't think Alex Van Pelt did great in his audition. But the play calling was, I thought, really good last season for the most part. Now, I will say that they played a lot of crappy defenses down the stretch. They played a lot of bad defenses and they weren't going up against the Aaron Rodgers of the NFL last season. But I thought the play calling was more aggressive for the most part. It seemed more creative. Uh, there were more, you know, sort of tricky gadgety plays, which I think some of that went out the window when Odell bolted and, you know, and Jarvis just, you know, wasn't really necessarily himself this season. Um, I don't know. There's part of me that, you know, just tried to do the best he could with what he had to work with. And if he had hope of weapon next year in the passing game, that he would suddenly become a better play caller. Scott and Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, I think the, for me, the biggest question is if Kevin Stefanski doesn't trust Baker Mayfield right now, if he didn't trust him this season, why? Like, was it just because of the injuries or what? And that kind of goes back to the previous question too. But um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Mary Kate. It just looked so different this year. I mean, this year, it at least from the time I've been here and watching this as closely as I have, like, it just felt so unimaginative. It felt like it was very easy for other teams defenses to game plan for them and that they did that in different ways. Um, what they did this year was not working. And I know we talked about after that Packers game, there were some good things in that 11 personnel, but obviously the bad things are you can't have Baker Mayfield throwing four picks if you're going to run that a lot. Um, so I don't know. I don't think he's like somehow lost his ability as a play caller, but for me, it goes back to that trust issue and why is that issue there? Yeah, I know we're going to spend a lot of time this offseason talking about play calling, but I'm already sick of it. <laughs> really, I, I mean, look, when they win, play calling is great. When they lose, play calling is horrible. And it's easy to point out plays where things didn't work because they didn't work. And I don't know if we've ever done a podcast 
after a game that they won where we talked about how great the play calling was. It just, that's just the way it works. So I don't, I mean, I don't care if Kevin Stefanski comes back and calls plays again, or, or if he doesn't, it, that part doesn't matter to me. I think they need to execute a lot better. And I do think they need to fix wide receiver situation and obviously the quarterback situation, but as far as playing calling goes, that's, that's like, that's way down the list for me. And let me back up on, go ahead. Let me just back up on something real super quick. Uh, When I said before, if it came down to those two guys being together, that they, they might end up with a different play caller. It's not going to be this public thing where all of a sudden Baker wins the standoff. It would be Kevin Stefanski determining that perhaps maybe he should take the bigger picture and spend more time on the whole football team. And therefore, you know, this brilliant offensive mind is going to come in and call plays. It would be something like that. If they're going to try to coexist, I think something is going to have to shake, get shaken up there. Sometimes it is about just the guys you have too. I mean, Mm -hmm. is, is Brian Callahan a significantly better offensive coordinator than Kevin Stefan play caller than Kevin Stefanski. I mean, I think some of the reasons Joe Burrow gets hit so much is because of the play calling there, but he's got all these wide receivers and Joe Mixon and all these dudes that, you know, and he's got Joe Burrow at his disposal. Like a lot of times it's just the guys you have over, over the guy calling the plays. Um, Okay. Two other questions I had for you guys. More disappointing season. 2019 or 2021? And did you pick them to make the Super Bowl in 2019? No, I picked them to go 10 and 6. Okay. See, I set this. myself up. I set myself up for then this. Then this. Then this. We thought yeah. they were going to be good in 2019. We didn't think they were going to make the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think the, the weight of the expectations this year make it the more disappointing of the two for me. Yeah, I think it was realistic this year to think that, um, you know, that they could actually maybe go a little further in the, in the, into the playoffs because they were going to have a defense that was going along with, with their offense. So I think this is more disappointing um, because this also has a, like, who's the quarterback vibe to it too. And that's not a place that Browns fans want to be. It's not a place that Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns want to be. It's not what anybody wants. Everybody wanted Baker Mayfield to be the guy that gets this thing turned around and consistently takes the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs year after year and goes and wins a Super Bowl or two, potentially. That's what everybody wanted. So this has almost a, oh, what the hell are they going to do a quarterback feel to it? Uh, so therefore... Uh, I, I think that this is, I think this is much worse because they're at a crossroads right now and they have to figure some things out. Yeah. I think this, this year is an easy choice just based off what they did last year, what they had coming back. And the fact that we, we never got to see this team really at full strength. Like after that first, I mean, their first game was great. I know they lost, but I mean, that was really promising. And then it just, everything, you know, people started getting hurt and it just, never got back to zero. And I think that just for me from watching the team is such a disappointing part about it is that we just never got to see really what this team could do 
when everybody was available. So the the case I would make um, for 2019 over 2021 is I still feel good about some key parts of this organization moving forward. In 2019, it was like, oh my God, they're going to have to fire Freddie Kitchens and like John Dorsey just hired like the worst head coach ever. And uh, like, it was just a, it felt very disastrous. And I think, you know, the play calling aside, right. I think we all still have a good amount of faith in the head coach. And I think we still all Why? have faith. Why? I, I, I mean, Doug, I don't feel, I don't feel that he's lost. I, I feel like he could still be a good play caller. That's part of it. Like, I think just you and I disagree on that. No, I think most people have faith in Kevin Stefanski. It's mostly based off last year, which is fine. I mean, he had yeah, a good that's year. Fair. He had a good that's year. That's fair. And, like, and look, if it's bad next year, then Kevin Stefanski is going to be in the spot Baker Mayfield's in right now. And I'm not at all, I'm not at all saying they should, I'm not even close to saying they should fire Kevin Stefanski. I'm just like, I don't think he did a very good job this year. So. Which, which is, which is the point I'm making. At least you, right? Like there's no reason to fire the head coach and you, and right. The GM has given us faith that he can go out and fix things. So I, th- I think that's maybe the one case I would make for 2019 being more disappointing just because expectations were more, more, were more real this year. But when everything went sideways, it was like, uh-oh, now what? Whereas this year, I do feel like you can look into the future and, and maybe see a case where this year was just an outlier. You know what? I mean, you make, you make good points there. I mean, I do think that, especially when I look at um, – I mean, there are a couple, just a couple key areas of the team that I think need need to be fixed, and that is potentially quarterback. And I do have a question about that when I'm done with this for you guys about the quarterback. I'll probably forget it by the time I get there. But um, so um, quarterback, receiver, you know, a cons- little concerned about left tackle, and I would it's hard to know if the tight end production is because of the quarterback or if, if those tight ends are good enough, you know, you might need another like really good tight end, you know, maybe a upgrade one of those guys. More tight ends. Um, pardon me? No more, no more. It's tight Doug's end. worst nightmare. Well, I mean, if you have a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey or somebody like that, I mean, it comes in handy from time to time. All right. So my question to you guys about Baker is if they let him go, if they let him get away, do you think he would go on to have tremendous success in the NFL? No. And I was going to bring this up before, because that's a decision you have to think about. What is more likely that Baker will come back and be the second half of 2020 Baker, or that he'll go somewhere else and be the second half of 2020 Baker. so so i mean this is the drew Brees conversation this is the drew Drew Brees is the guy that everybody is bringing up now lately that the chargers had him for five years and then let him go and drafted philip rivers and then drew Brees went on to have a hall of fame career with the saints and it's like oh my gosh and you go back and look at drew Brees' stats excuse me i'm choking thinking about baker (laughs) making the hall of fame oh baker the hall of fame (laughs) <laughs> his stats are, I mean, like his, it's bad. I want to go back and like read what people were saying around that time. Right. That it's like, it, it, he was not that great with the chargers, but they also had a high pick. They actually had the first pick. 
Right. And then they had the Manning thing, but they got Philip Rivers. So they got their guy. One of the things is if you have your guy, who cares? Go make the Hall of Fame. If the Browns figure it out, all that matters is that the Browns figure out quarterback. You can't live based on with the guy you used to have is good or not. But, 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 this is my quick but. When the Browns had the first pick in the draft, I had wanted no part of Josh Allen because the Browns at that point could not afraid to whiff. They couldn't whiff after waiting all that time to draft a quarterback. They could not take the biggest swing to me and risk whiffing. But when you shoot for a guy like that, you shoot upside or whiff. Baker was always less upside than Josh Allen, but I thought had a less, less chance of a whiff, right? Now that you've established all this stuff, you can take a swing. Take a swing, man. And I do think Baker physically is never going to be the guy that a lot of the top guys are. He's just never going to be that. And so I kind of, I think maybe you would, as the Browns would want to take a swing for that guy, a guy who's more mobile or has a bigger arm or is taller. It's just, it's just the way it happened that if the Browns had the first pick in one of the two later years, Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow would be the quarterback here. And they wouldn't be any smarter or any dumber. It's just timing. But that's not how it worked the year they picked. So they picked a guy who physically doesn't have the top-end skills that a lot of the best quarterbacks in the league have. And that reduces your margin for error. It puts more on the entire offense because you've got to call the exact perfect game for him. You have to plan the offense around him. You've got to get him out of the pocket. you got to run bootlegs, whatever. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Joe, just let him go, man. Go play football. So for that reason, I'm not worried about what he would go do. I think it might be time for the Browns to take a bigger swing. I don't mean not worried about it. I, I not, not worried about what he'll go do, but do you think that he no. will go on to be successful with another football team? I think he'll be good, but not great. I think he'll be Kirk Cousins. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, the Chargers moved on from Drew Brees and they ended up with a Hall of Famer and maybe have another Hall of Famer. So, you know, whatever. Um, okay. The other question I had was... Uh, Will Baker Mayfield go have a great career? Dan's like, whatever, I'm tired of talking about it. Look, I mean, the, re- the reality is, the reality is we're going to be talking about Baker Mayfield for the next... Un- until this gets resolved, we're going to be talking about Baker Mayfield and whether the Browns should move on. Or can we get an answer on Mary Kay on that answer, though? Like, do you think he has, like, a... Like, do you think he wherever he is, has a very good chance to be like an excellent NFL quarterback still? Or have we seen enough that maybe excellence not there? One of the reasons why I am skeptical that that, he, that that will happen for him is because it just seemed like everything was put around him in place to be really good for him this year. And, you know, a good defense and a good running game and a really good offensive line and the only problem with that is it just, it wasn't all that. It didn't turn out to be all that because of all the injuries. And, it, you know, so it wasn't the, uh, the perfect cockpit to be in. It didn't turn out to be that, but I'm, I'm going to say no right now that he's not going to go on to be a great, great hall of fame NFL quarterback. I, I'm going to say no. Okay, my last question here, and uh, you know everybody's going to hear this before the Pittsburgh game, and I think it's a relevant question. And I asked our texters this, and it, they were 71% said no. 
I asked them, do you want the Browns to lose out? 71% said no. I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, why not? Like if, if you vote no in that, why not? Just because well, I, you want to beat, just because you want to yeah. beat the Steelers and Bengals? Like, I think when you're why? asking the average fan, that's the reason. Like they want to win in that rivalry game. They don't want to let big Ben Roethlisberger get his last win over the Browns. Like, I don't think people are answering that rationally or like with objective reasoning They're They're answering it as Browns fans, which like I kind of get at the same time, there's been a lot of losing in this town for the last two decades with this team. So I think people want to get those wins when they can. And I don't fault them for that. But us being the rational thinkers, like eh, we go that far. Is us being more, maybe more rational thinkers about this particular topic. I'll put it that way. I think that's compelling. It's a little bit compelling to maybe have a better shot at getting one of those top flight receivers that you need so bad. Um, and I did say before this podcast, I, I actually kind of want to change my game pick now. I did pick the Browns to win this game, and I'm kind of leaning towards the Steelers with the stakes. Uh, I was kind of I – mean, my gut was telling me Steelers from the beginning, but just the fact that there's nothing at stake anymore before they even play. Um, I know Scott was giving me a hard time saying it's it's in ink, but I don't know. I would If I could make the, the <laughs> trade, the, if I could change my pick, I would. I'm going to start doing podcasts today of games, just to change my picks from <laughs> yes. here on out. Yes, yes, that's how this works. Hey, real quick I, though, uh, just like this, the Browns are currently in 13th. They they would have the 13th pick if Minnesota. We're taping this before the end of the Minnesota Packers games tonight. If Minnesota wins that game, they would move up to 12th. The highest the Browns can go is seventh, um, because they the, the most they can lose is 10 games. Everybody above that has at least 11 losses. So. So that's what you're looking at between 13th, 14th, 15th, and as high as seventh. So, so Doug, you want Garrett Wilson. What, what are you thinking on, on a Thursday in April if Garrett Wilson goes seventh and the Browns are picking 11th because they beat Cincinnati in week 18? So nobody likes, likes tanking as much as I do. I, I love it. It's like my favorite thing. Losing with a purpose is the name of my autobiography. <laughs> it's also an excuse for everything that happens in my life. But the reason I like tanking when the Browns tank is because none of the guys you're tanking with are going to be here when you're good. Because the whole point is, it's not that you get players and then you tank and then you make those players better. It's that you get rid of those players and get better players. That's what tanking is. So the losing doesn't infest you. The Browns currently have their team. Like they're going to try to come back next year and be really good. And they're going to come back with like 70% of the guys in this room right now. So I am completely done with worrying about draft positioning. Go win, go win. I want, I want Greg Newsom and JOK and Joel Batonio and Nick Chubb. I want them to win, beat big Ben, ruin it, go spoil, go knock the Bengals down a draft slot, a, a playoff spot, go win. And I will tell you, listen, I love Garrett Wilson. He's actually a little bit smaller than some of the receivers. I'm kind of into like, I wouldn't. Oh, come but, on. But listen, you I want to jump off this no, train now. I don't, I don't, I'm not losing for him. I'm not tanking for Garrett Wilson. So I want him, but if he's gone, I'll take Drake London. Go look at Drake London. He's your guy too. And if not, I'm taking Traylon Burks. And I will do this. If wherever the Browns finish, if where they pick in the draft, if Traylon Burks, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson are all gone, I'll give $200 to charity. 
we can figure out where it's going because one of those guys is going to be there. Go win. Jahan Dotson's going to be there. David Bell's going to be there. Chris Olave is going to be there. It's a good receiver draft. We have to be done with draft positioning. They're not a draft positioning team anymore. So I don't think they're thinking about that. I know they're not thinking about that, but the fans shouldn't be thinking about it either. And I thought about it more than anybody. Are you sure they're not thinking about that? This is their team. You You cannot go into Pittsburgh. These are two division games against your major nemesis and the team that has suddenly risen up and lapped you in your own state. While the Browns were rebuilding, the Bengals lapped them. The Bengals started two years behind them, and they're ahead of them right now. Go beat them. The Browns, draft- beat, them by, the Browns beat them by almost 30 points, and the, the Bengals just won the division. I, I am, I'm, actually, I'm stunned by this take by you, for real. I'm, I'm shocked because winning matters. Are and this Eagles, is the time when you actually Eagles build winning culture. Are the Eagles going to make the playoffs this year? I don't even know what that question they is. They are. They're 9-7 and seven right now and in the seventh seed in the NFC. And they threw week 8, week 17 last year. But they, so they could they, have like two two picks higher in the draft. But they stunk last year, didn't they? They they were they were like oh, giving up the on Brown stink this I'm, year. I'm 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 my mind is boggled by this take for real. They, wait, you got to get past oh. this. You got to be past tanking, man. Uh, this is stunning to me. Wait, think about this though for a minute. Um, consider this: Baker Mayfield has been playing with a a torn labrum, and you know putting himself sort of at risk each week and having to play with this harness on what what if they shut baker down for the for the final two games and just say we're not going to put him out there in this risk any you know at risk anymore because the truth of the matter is if that thing does come out again and he dislocates it further and he you know breaks another bone in there or something uh it's a much longer recovery and as it stands it's about a four to six month recovery to repair a fully torn labrum. That's a different discussion. That, that makes sense. That's a medical decision that he played while they were in the race and then they shut him down. I think that I'm makes saying, sense. Like, would you guys shut him down? Would you guys shut Baker down? I would shut Baker down now. I'm like, I'd be done. For I'd what? If to shut him down, to risk. So he's to- healthy when they move on from him? I mean, like, I Al- like Alex Van Pelt said, he's excited well, they, to see Baker Mayfield without the harness. In yeah, they haven't decided that yet. I, I mean, I think they have to decide that. But when you go to decide that, you don't want him to be completely damaged goods. And you don't have good tackles for this game. You've got, you know, you're going to have James Hudson. And you're going to have TJ Watt coming, coming after him. Um, again, those guys are going to be really fired up for this game. I don't know. I would give. Some I, I don't. I don't think winning either of these games has any bearing on what you do next year. At all. I think that's a loser's mentality. Oh come on, Doug. <laughs> They're past that. Yeah, but They're it's two that. games. It's we're but, not but asking them to there, tank. There's like literally. There's literally. I'm not saying to me tanking is when you. I, I guess that there's different definitions of tanking, right? Like if you just go into a season, like if you're in the NBA or in the NFL, you go into a season and you're like, all right, we're just not trying to make the playoffs. This year. We don't care. You know, the, the Browns that we see NBA teams do it all the time, right? Like we just don't care. We're talking about the last two games of a season that have absolutely zero impact on the outcome of the season. Like the Browns tried, the Browns already tried. They tried as hard as they could and they came up short, and they have two games left. And I'm telling you, 
Having this discussion on January 2nd is like, oh yeah, go win, let's go. Having this discussion on April 17th when you're sitting there thinking, God, I really wish the Browns were in a position to get this guy. And they're just not going to be but able to. you would do to. it, your motivation. So are you going to sit healthy players to get the draft pick higher? I, I don't know if I'm going all the way that far. Like, like if Miles Garrett wants to play, Miles Garrett can play, right? Like I'm, I'm not, maybe not going that far. And maybe they just won't be able to, to tank these games because players are going to play. But like, I don't care one way or another if I win either of these games. And I'm telling you, an analytics-driven front office like Philadelphia and like the Cleveland Browns, probably isn't going to cry if they lose these next two games, whether they're actually trying to or not. Yeah. I was going to say like, there might be an issue of at least again, tomorrow night, Monday night, they might not need to try and lose that one. They might just lose it <laughs> given everything else that's going on for Pittsburgh. And oh, yes, for sure. the stakes are gone. Like they might just lose it. And I know we've talked about, you know, who knows what the Bengals are going to do in that week 18 game and um, how the Browns match up with them. Maybe they win that one, but like, it's not a guarantee they're going to go out and beat the Steelers tomorrow again. Um, I would just like to note for the record that Dan Lobby started the season pricking, picking the Browns to make the Super Bowl, and he is ending the season telling them to lose on purpose to improve their draft pick. That is the oh. Dan Lobby arc of this season. What am I supposed to do? If they win these next two games, they're not the, the NFL's not going to be like, hey, great job, guys. You get to play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, no, you know but... They'll you, have. Okay. You, you sound have, like my wife when she walks through the when she walks through the living room when when a game's on and she sees it's a blowout and she just asks why are they still playing. That's that's the same thing. This is like that question all over again. Why why, do, why do, just shut it Mary, down? Mary Kay, Mary Kay, do you remember when the Browns won like four games in a row under Eric Mangini to win? Yeah. To finish yeah. the season, and then they yep. started the next season like zero and ten. Yeah. But I mean, they have an excuse for sitting some of these guys down. They could actually, I mean, Miles Garrett has a, a really bad groin injury. And at this point, it's not supposed to require surgery after the season. But if he goes out there tomorrow and plays, you know, he might be looking at a surgery if he if he rips that thing. You I think like regarding your earlier question, Mary Kay, about Baker and whether or not they should just shut it down at this point. Like I was thinking today and I know you wrote a column. I think it was right after that Thursday night game about how he they should consider it and having him go and have surgery. How different the narrative would be around this season had they done that and could have should have would. I mean, close only counts in horseshoes, all that stuff. There's a lot of hypotheticals there. But had they done that, the narrative, I think, is totally different, even if the results are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might have won more games. That's like best <laughs> case scenario. I mean, but it's plausible. And it, worst case scenario, you lose the same number or more games. And Baker had surgery. You know, we're going to wait to see till he's healthy next year. We get all our pieces back, blah, blah, blah. You know, on and on we go. Mm-hmm. All right. I've kept you guys here for an hour. Let me ask one one more question so people can give more excuses to Kevin Stefanski. Would the Browns have made the playoffs this year if COVID was gone? If the pandemic was over, the pandemic never happened. I mean, aren't you essentially, are you asking if they'd have beaten the Raiders? I mean, isn't that kind of what we're asking? Just the Raiders. What I'm asking. So nobody has, COVID doesn't exist. It's not an issue for the NFL or anybody else. You don't lose Nick Chubb for 
Was he out with COVID this year? He did. Yeah, or he just missed, a calf. He missed, missed a, game. a game, at least a one game. Yeah, right after the what? Who did they play after the Bengals? Was that the was Broncos it, game? It, it was the Tuesday. Yeah, it, was, it was the Tuesday after the Bengals game that they announced. He, he, he missed the Broncos. I know he missed the Broncos game because Dearness yeah. won off that game. Yeah, yeah. So won that. Um, I mean, you would hope that they would have beat the Raiders with a full non-COVID roster. And if they beat the Raiders, then they are not eliminated today. So we think like they were more negatively affected than the average NFL team. There wouldn't, wouldn't have been any teams that would have beaten them because they had their guys when they played the Browns. Darren Waller, Darren Waller didn't play in that game either. And I, I mean, think- I hate, I hate to use that as an excuse though, just because yeah. like, again, we're, we're assuming Baker Mayfield doesn't throw three interceptions in that game. We're assuming Baker Mayfield outplays Nick Mullins in that game, and there's nothing over the last month that tells us Baker Mayfield would have outplayed Nick Mullins. That's true. And the defense was on the field with a chance to win, and your defense was mostly cold. Okay, so no excuses, just making sure. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. Li- I don't like excuses. I don't like complaining about refs. I don't like complaining about COVID. But well, like whatever, you you deal with the circumstances in front of you. So I'll stay on brand there. Yeah, I think that's probably right, just given all the other close losses this year that COVID wasn't really a factor. There were a lot of chances they had. I don't like to pin it all on that one singular game. All right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this 50 more times. This <laughs> awesome. it? The fine We've fun. Got, we've got a post-game pod to do tomorrow. So uh, we'll, we'll get that for you. Who knows what's going to happen on that pod? Cause it's going to be like two in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what goes on there. Uh, so we'll be back with that. Make sure you're subscribed on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you're listening to your podcast, you'll get that pod as soon as it drops. And then also make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Thanks for jumping on and doing this guys for Scott, Ashley, Doug, and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs>